This is Scott Becker with the Becker's Healthcare Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be joined by Dr. Tope Fatuyi. Dr. Fatuyi is the Chief Medical Information Officer at UT Health in Houston, Health and Sciences Center in Houston, part of the great UT system. Dr. Fatui, can you take a moment to introduce yourself? I'm going to ask you a lot about your role as CMIO, priorities, career, and more. Thank you very much, Scott. Uh, I do appreciate being your guest. It is indeed an honor uh, to speak on your podcast. So my name is Baba Tope Fatui. I go by Tope, uh, short, and I, I Right now, I'm serving at the, as the Chief Medical Information Officer at UT Health at the University of Texas Health Science Center at Houston uh, within the great TMC. So I more or less uh, started my career as a young kid trying to fill the forms for a college degree. And my dad whispered in my ear, hey, do you know that we don't really have a doctor in my family? And I didn't know what to say. I said, okay, because I really wanted to be either a chemical engineer or an architect. But then, you know, because I wanted to please him, I I entered medicine. So luckily for me, I did all the exams and uh, I got picked as a medical student at the University of Ibadan, which is the first school uh, in Nigeria to offer degrees uh, then. Uh, so I was in school for eight years. It was built to be for six years, but we had a lot of strikes and uh, just unrest generally. And I was lucky to be in school longer to get better learning. And I graduated with a uh, significant character, in my opinion, on learning. So anyways, I finished that, and I also had a public health, master's in public health at the University of Georgia in Athens uh, with health policy and management. And so let me ask you a question. When your father said, I think it's time for you to go to med to be a doctor, we don't have a doctor in the family. Yes. Then when you fast forward to your success in becoming a doctor, was he still alive and was he so proud of you? Yes, he's still alive and uh, he he is super proud. Um, He doesn't always show it, but I know it. (laughs) Um. And he, 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 right now we, we talk often. He doesn't call me by my name. He calls me, calls me by doc <laughs> almost always. But yes, he, he and my family, they, they are significantly very, very proud of our, my ability to, to, to finish school and remain a doctor and also function in the, in the, in the ecosystem. It's magnificent. It, it really is. So congratulations. What was it like? coming to University of Georgia after going to med school in, I believe, Nigeria. What was that like, the transition from Africa to University of Georgia? What what was that like? For me, it was a dream come true. Um, I wanted better training and education and exposure, and I sought, I went after it. I left Nigeria briefly, was in London for about a year, and then left from London to Georgia. I actually had an opportunity to either go to University of Manchester or University of Georgia in Athens, but the the, the American dream was sweeter to me at the time, and still is. Um, I'm, I'm leaving it, actually, Scott. Um, so I 
came in brand new. I went through all of the culture shock of what it is, but I'm one that tries to learn everything about my environment, and I I, I go for it whenever I, I I see opportunities. You know, there's a saying that says, no guts, no glory. So uh, I came on and uh, I went through the program in Georgia, and I'm glad I did. When you started the program at, at the University of Georgia in Athens, you know, it, 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 was it socially trying to make friends, trying to get comfortable in a new country? What was that like? Uh, it, uh, now, I came, I have some shortcomings, which is the fact that I do not know how to cook. So coming to Georgia, that was my first rude awakening. And from the small servants in Europe to uh, and Nigeria to the huge servants right here in America, uh, I I ended up paying for a meal plan. And to my shock, going for a meal plan, I realized that it's mainly, at least in Georgia, for the undergrads. And I was kind of out of place because I was a little older, and most of them were so much younger. But I ended up still going because I had to eat, and I became friends with the sports guys, primarily the football players, and some of them are right now in the NFL. And it wasn't easy. However, I I really more or less enjoyed the transition and the culture learning through the and the case in point is on game day there's no transportation and i didn't know so i would go I would, the first time i would try to wait for a bus a shuttle and i waited forever until someone say oh we are just all tailgating or <laughs> there's nothing there's no movement and since then i enjoy tailgating i went I'm, I'm a bulldog you know i wear it heavily I'm, it excites me so it wasn't easy but i enjoyed uh, i enjoyed coming around and now i'm 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 all in <laughs> so so let me ask you a question now some of the great people from Athens, Georgia, the band R.E.M., Herschel yes. Walker, yes. but they're all before your time, I take it. It is true. They, they are, but the, the history remains. And we have lots of music parks and areas within, within Athens where many of that is still, being, they're still ongoing. And uh, uh, it, it, beyond that now, it's also deemed as one of the party communities, you know, within the school stratosphere in America. So that was happening then, and it, it was, I more or less had a graduate program as a master's student and also enjoyed an undergrad uh, uh, kind of lifestyle, if you, if, you, if you will, without even having to stay that long with respect to being in Georgia. And University of Georgia, for those that aren't aware, has become one of the great schools in the country. They've also got this great tuition reduction program that if you're a high school student in Georgia, you do great in high school, you go for free. So they've been able to attract the the best and brightest in Georgia to make University of Georgia a magnificent school. And and so a fantastic story of really smartly growing a great college. Uh, Fantastic. So I'm going to move to a different subject I shouldn't say less interesting subjects. It's the core of what we do in the healthcare world, but certainly that kind of journey that you've had is more interesting than almost anything else we'll talk about. But but we'll, we're going to talk about Chief Medical Information Officer. How did you become a CMIO, and how did that become a part of what you do? 
I became a CMIO as a virtue of my journey in life and uh, the luck and the grace that God had on me, you know. Um, I started this path more or less as a consultant when I left Georgia. I was lucky to be part of uh, the Clinovation firm out of D.C., and we more or less catered and served physicians and physicians' leaderships all around the country. That good productivity more or less led to the acquisition of the firm that became the advisory board that became Optum Health and United Health. And I had significant opportunities to serve in different capacity. As faith will have it, uh, UT Health, UTP, uh, which is UT Physicians, which is the uh, faculty practice for UT Health, uh, we had, they had a, an opening looking for a CMIO, preferred someone who lived in Houston because Houston was my base. And I applied, I went through the interview process and uh, they, they picked me to be here and I'm very, very happy and excited to be here one year and two months now, still going and still excited, honestly. Uh, UT Health is, uh, has six schools for those who might not know. We have the Sizzik School of Nursing, we, the McGovern Medical School, you know, we have an MD Anderson UT Health Graduate School, School of uh, Biomedical Informatics, School of Dentistry, and School of Public Health. So the, the, I, the, the prestige of the organization made me pray so hard to get a job. I did my best on my interviews, and luckily, you know, other candidates that didn't show up or whatever happened, and I'm here. <laughs> whatever it takes. Well, congratulations. <laughs> so another question. The top priorities of CMO today, what are your top priorities? Because of uh, the phase where we are, right now we're in an EMR called Allscript, which is good in itself, but uh, for us, we the, and the leadership and the organization, all the doctors, they really want, would like to move to a better one, uh, which is EPIC, and uh, we are going through that implementation. Right now, my number one priority is to be part of the journey for UT Health to help all the leaders who made the decision, because that decision was made before I got here, in ensuring that we have a successful, on time, on budget, regardless of COVID-19 implementation, whereby our patients, our end users, our physician users, adopt the system significantly in a very, very positive way. Uh, second will be more or less to ensure working with my CIO, you know, Mr. Youssef and uh, all our bosses and other leaders to develop a team to stand a test of the immediate future and uh, of course with, that will cater to all our stakeholders and the various stakeholders have various needs so we need a, such an agile team that can embrace that. And lastly for me is to keep learning and growing. You know, um, one of my bosses mentioned that he went back to school. So that was really inspiring to me, and it still is. And with such awareness and such opportunity within this community, my immediate future and plan is to, to find myself learning new stuff and growing accordingly. Fantastic. Do you ever say to your dad, dad, I'm now a CMIO. And he says to you, why aren't you president already? 
<laughs> do you know them? Do you know the the my culture? Do you know how they're never satisfied? <laughs> Similar for a lot of our cultures, he, exactly. He 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 does. He never says president, though. But he pushes me for other things that he desires. And sometimes I I said, okay, okay, I'll try. Sometimes I let him know, hey, it's four of us. You know, I'm not the only one. You know, um, that you have as kids is what I meant. But yes, he 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 never stops. <laughs> and and God bless. Well, you've got this great evolving career. And a great attitude. I mean, magnificent. What advice would you give to somebody who's an emerging professional, an emerging leader? We've got our producer on the phone. She's listening in. Somebody's trying to build a great career. What advice would you give them? Uh, that that right there is uh, – it, 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 such is not practical to any profession. It's just a better way to look at life and, uh, and grow. You know, experiences will shape us left or right in in any opportunities. But then, defining a purpose is very helpful. Another thing is honestly having a vision for where for where you're trying to be. Meaning, you're here right now. Where do you want to be in a year? Where do you want to be in five years? Such awareness helps you determine what you focus on, how you prepare with the right skills, knowledge, to be competent when the opportunities do come along because those opportunities will not just, uh, you know, they won't, many opportunities you, you have to tell people through interviews and panels that you are able to get the job done, you know, otherwise they could just bring anyone that they're going to train and in that sense. So uh, the way I say to other people and colleagues and friends is look Go to Indeed.com or just go to Google. Look and pull up on that particular resume that you covet. And begin to ensure that each need in that line item, you are either able to do it or you put yourself in a situation whereby you're learning how to do it or you're part of a group that is doing it. Because that's the only way you can improve yourself in that sense. And lastly is to... Once you know what you really want, be part of the professional network. Get out there. You know, I got the privilege to speak at one of the, your conferences. Thank you for always hosting and doing that. And that was because I met someone who was speaking on the and said, hey, I want to be part of that. I can't afford to get there. I don't have the money and everything. So, well, if you can fly to Chicago, I'll get you an invite. And he added me as a guest of his. So if I didn't put myself in such a network, I wouldn't have the opportunity to ask someone to give me that, that chance. And by, I believe that all facets of the conversation that I mentioned right now, if applied to any profession, any career, with a good heart and good attitude, I believe uh, it's only a matter of time um, that success will come one's way. That's just my... Fantastic. My, no, we, we, we love that. And we think this effort of cultivating your passion, figuring out what you want to do, developing that vision, is hard work. Many people doesn't come naturally to, but you can't stop trying to find it while you're working. And sometimes while working and doing things, you find that passion and that clarity. And, and so it's better to jump in and then figure it out than not jump in, I think. No, that's true. Very true. 
Dr. Fertuti, what a, what a great pleasure to visit with you. Certainly made my day. What a pleasure to talk to you. Thank you so much for joining the Becker's Healthcare Podcast today. What a, what a remarkable journey. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I appreciate it. Thanks a lot, everybody.